0: There are three words that strike fear into the heart of any homeowner and those are interest rate rise. On Tuesday the RBA raised the official cash rate by 0.25% to 0.35% and signaled there was more to come. This was swiftly passed on to homeowners with several banks raising their interest rates on the same day. But should you be worried? Well, it depends on who you are. Here to talk about what the rate rise means for homeowners are Joey Maloney and Alex Ballantyne, both senior associates in the Economic Policy Program. Welcome, guys.
1: Thanks, Kat. Thanks, Kat. Good to be here.
0: So, Alex, why did the RBA raise the official cash rate?
1: So, the RBA has a dual mandate. That's for low and stable inflation and full employment. Now, we've talked about unemployment before in the podcast. It's currently at 4%, the lowest in nearly 50 years. But inflation is the real kicker. So the consumer price index, a measure of inflation, has been high. It's running at 5.1% at the moment, or a underlying measure that's more stable over time is at 3.7%. Now, that's in comparison to the Reserve Bank's target of 2% to 3%. So inflation is high and a lot higher than was expected. Now, inflation reflects the balance of demand and supply. Supply is affected at the moment by a lot of different things, a lot of shocks and global events. The pandemic, of course, shipping costs being high, war in Europe, extreme weather events. All of these things are disrupting the supply of goods and services. And when there's fewer goods and services available for people to buy, but demand is still strong, then prices rise. And demand is still strong, particularly in Australia, because of the tight labour market, as well as expansionary fiscal and monetary policy. So you've got this fall in supply and decent demand, so you get price rises. Monetary policy mostly affects the demand side of the economy. Responding to supply shocks is hard because the RBA doesn't um, directly affect the supply of goods and services. Iceberg lettuces are five bucks at the moment. There's no stash of them sitting in the vault at the RBA. So the inflation target is flexible at 2 to 3% over time. The RBA allows inflation to rise above the 2 to 3% target for a period of time as long as it comes back down to within it. But the recent CPI numbers, the inflation numbers, were broad-based across a large range of goods and services. And the RBA's liaison program, going out and talking to firms, suggests that wage growth is coming and that firms are giving their workers wage rises at the moment. So with a tight labour market, high inflation and wage growth on the way, the emergency interest rate settings of the pandemic look a little bit different and the RBA is moving to try to cool the economy.
0: I think the real question you should ask here, Alex, is does the RBA have a stash of toilet paper
1: Well, that's a a closely guarded secret.
0: So back to the question at hand, I mean, Joey, what do these rate rises mean for people paying off their homes? I mean, I'm a homeowner. I think the rate rises a bit scary. What does it mean for me and for other people?
2: The short answer is it really depends on when you bought. So most homeowners or most people with a mortgage right now bought that before the pandemic when interest rates were higher. When interest rates fell during the pandemic, those emergency rates, a lot of these homeowners maintain the same repayment levels, which basically means that they increase their savings. So the typical mortgage now is about nearly two years ahead on their mortgage. Now, that's up from 10 months at the start of the pandemic. So for these households, interest rate rises effectively mean a reversion to where they were before the pandemic, which means a reduction in savings but not necessarily a reduction in their spending. So their day-to-day standard of living could be relatively unaffected. Now, interest rates would have to rise by about four percentage points, which is more than most people are predicting, for interest payments as a share of income to return to their peak of about 8% prior to the global financial crisis. But the story is different for people who borrowed more recently and have only ever made repayments at the record low pandemic interest rates.
0: That's enough to strike fear into my heart because I bought a house last year and I've been wondering what this interest rate rise means for me specifically having bought last year. I mean, what happens to these recent borrowers when the interest rate rises?
2: The short answer is that they are vulnerable. Now, that's not to say everyone is vulnerable, but on average, the numbers look like recent borrowers are vulnerable to the impact of interest rate rises. Now, the record low rates that we had during the pandemic meant house prices surged last year. So loan sizes did as well. They were up 20 percent to a peak of over 600,000 in December last year. So these new borrowers, they face a double whammy. They're facing higher rates on big loans. So for example, take a recent buyer who took out an average loan of about 600,000 late last year and has household income of about $128,000. Now a 2% rise would see repayments as a share of their income rising from 26% to 32%. And a 3% rise would take them to 35%. Now the typical benchmark for housing stress is 30% of income. So for a lot of these households, even a relatively minor unexpected fall in income or increase in other expenses could lead to them missing a mortgage repayment. Or even if that's not the case, they're still going to be squeezed. Now, the above example I used was a debt to income ratio was 4.7. So that means that they've borrowed 4.7 times their income. But the RBA recently noted in their financial stability review that a quarter of recent home buyers have a debt to income ratio above 6. So you can see there is a tail end here who may be particularly vulnerable.
0: Yeah, and that's always concerning is that housing stress. I mean, you think in your own household about ways you can cut back on spending, but there gets to a point where you can't not pay that particular bill or that gas bill or that body corporate fee, and that becomes really hard. How does this affect house prices? Because we saw them surge in the middle of the pandemic. What does it mean going forwards?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And so we did see them surge during the pandemic. And one of the strong drivers of that was the record low interest rates, because that uh, increased access to credit or increased the amount that people could borrow. So conversely, you would expect higher rates to lead to lower house prices. Now, that's what is being predicted by the Reserve Bank. So their model shows that A 2% rise in rates should, on average, lead to about a 15% reduction in prices. Now, like the rate rises themselves, this means different things for different borrowers. If we think about the, the recent borrowers that I was talking about before, these are big new loans that have only just started being paid off, which means they haven't built up much equity. If higher rates lead to the value of the home falling, they could end up with negative equity. Now, more established borrowers they'll have bigger equity buffers. So while the rate rises may not uh, crimp their spending directly, like we discussed earlier, lower house prices may see them reduce their spending simply because they feel poorer. That's something economists refer to as a wealth effect.
0: Yeah, I find that really interesting, that idea of the wealth effect, that even though you might be able to still afford those repayments on a mortgage, that you start to think in terms of austerity measures in your own home. Alex, how will this make housing more affordable?
1: So, uh, look, it depends. Lower house prices, obviously, houses are cheaper, so in theory it might be easier to buy. In practice, yes, it will be easier to amass a deposit for a given level of house prices. But that doesn't necessarily make it easier to go out and buy a house because you need to take out a mortgage. And serviceability of that mortgage, your interest repayments relative to your income, is a key factor in whether or not you can afford to buy a particular uh, size of house or price of house. And so as interest rates go up, interest repayments go up, and as Joey was talking about, particularly relative to your income. So it actually might become harder for certain households. Although if you already have uh, savings for a deposit, then you still might be able to get a foot in the door more easily. If you're saving for a deposit, again, it depends. Inflation makes it a bit harder to save because your cost of living has gone up. So you might not be able to save as much as you were before. And at the moment... The return that you get on your savings sitting in the bank is still very low and inflation's a lot higher. So your real return is quite low. So it's not entirely clear how this is going to play out at the moment for housing affordability.
2: Yeah. And I think um, if we think about housing affordability, there's more fundamental drivers there. So we've seen in the election campaign, both sides of politics have announced policies intended to help with housing affordability. So, for example, uh, the Labor Party has announced a shared equity scheme called Help to Buy. We recommended such a policy uh, earlier this year. There are people that can help who are genuinely locked out of the market who wouldn't otherwise be able to buy a home. In particular, people close to retirement still in the private rental market who may be staring down the barrel of poverty in retirement because a large chunk of private renters in retirement are living in poverty. But I think that what we're missing in this election campaign is a bit more policy ambition to tackle the fundamental drivers of our housing affordability crisis. So, for example, what we really need to do is to increase the supply of housing. Now, this will involve reforms to our planning regimes, which is fundamentally the responsibility for state and local governments. But it's a national problem, so it needs the federal government to come to the table as well to meaningfully give state governments incentives to reform these planning regimes. And there are also things we need to do on the demand side. The tax treatment of property investment is too generous. The capital gains tax discount overcompensates investors for inflation and should be halved. And negative gearing should be limited to quarantine investment losses against other investment income.
0: And you've recently had an article come out about this particular topic in the New Daily, and you can read more of our work on housing, which I'm sure we'll talk about in future podcasts on our website at grattan.edu.au. But Alex, I want to turn to you for the final question. You know, it feels like a bit of an uncertain future here in terms of house prices and housing affordability and home ownership. Where does the RBA go from here?
1: So it is an uncertain time, and that's been the theme of the pandemic really, hasn't it? The RBA is trying to uh, normalise interest rates, and it wants to ensure that inflation returns to that 2 to 3% target over time. Now, there's a, a worry that you're trying to avoid a wage price spiral like in the 1970s that was only uh, then able to tame inflation through very high unemployment. So that's the kind of world that you don't wanna end up in. Now, what is sort of normal for interest rates? There's some rules of thumb about this, about say productivity growth plus inflation, that gets you at maybe 3.5%. Nobody really knows. And how quick would interest rates normalize? Again, no one really knows, but financial markets of course uh, are always predicting Everything and their expectations are that the cash rate will actually get back towards 3.5% even within a year. Now that's very quick uh, rises, but that's what the financial markets expect. So what does this mean for, for households and particularly those who have a mortgage, a variable rate mortgage? Just want to do a quick rule of thumb that might help households think about how it affects their budgets. So at the moment, if you take your wage growth, it's been 2.3% over the year, subtract inflation, which has been 5.1%, already you're in negative negative territory, and then subtract the change in interest rates multiplied by your leverage, your debt to income ratio. So if you had a, a four to one ratio, there's been a 25 basis point change in interest rates, that's another percent. So 2.3 minus 5.1 minus one, you get it minus 3.8%. What does that mean? That's the effect on your household budget. So you're going to need to find about 4% of savings to be able to keep your standard of living well, to be able to keep, you know, repayments going. Now that's at the moment, but let's look forward. If wage growth matches inflation, but interest rates still rise by say 2% over a year or two, You're going to need to find another 8% if you're on that debt-to-income ratio. So households are really needing to uh, find extra uh, savings well, or dig into their savings and find extra money to be able to sustain their current standard of living in the order of maybe 10% over the next year or two. And that's quite a big shock to household finances.
0: Thank you, Joey and Alex, for taking us through what could be a very stressful time for many of us. If you'd like to talk more with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Grattan Inst and on all other social media channels at Grattan Institute. As always, please take care and thanks so much for listening.